0: Hi, this is State Delegate Mark Corman, and from Wisconsin Avenue in District 16 to Pratt Street in Baltimore to the boardwalk on the Eastern Shore and everywhere in between, Conduit Street Podcast is the go-to source for news about Maryland politics and policy.
1: Hello and welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with Michael Sanderson. Michael, obviously we are still social distancing as we record here on Cinco de Mayo, Tuesday, May 5th. So we apologize in advance to our listeners if the audio isn't exactly what we like it to be. I think we're doing the best that we can, but how are you and the family holding up, Michael, uh, amid this quarantine?
0: Everybody's doing okay up here. Thanks very much. How about your team?
1: Everybody's doing fine. Everybody's doing fine. Uh, we're all just doing the best that we can, I think. And Michael, this week, we are excited. You know, we are census nerds. We love talking about the census. We've been talking a lot about COVID-19 related issues, including financial issues, fiscal issues, also a lot of the health issues that we've seen here in Maryland. But we think it's a good time to circle back to the census. And I think we have a great guest to do that today.
0: We've been looking forward to this. We knew we were going to get back to talking about the census. We know we get a big, there's sort of a, a spike in attention. We had a big full room at the summer and winter conferences when our association has you know, elected officials and other stakeholders in the room for good, robust conversations about this topic. Everybody's very invested in it. And at the county level, we're really motivated to get the turnout as effective and driven and as complete as possible. So that's been an ongoing theme for us. We knew this spring we'd be having a conversation like this. I guess we didn't know precisely that we'd be you know, in this circumstance where the face-to-face interactions of the census would be as different as, as they probably are going to be in, in, in this environment. But uh, we've got the right guest. Um, Rob McCord, Secretary of the Department of Planning, and among the state's leaders in coordinating the complete count effort for the Maryland Census. Uh, happy to have Rob return and join us on the podcast like he did back in the summertime. Uh, Rob, thrilled to have you with us.
2: Listen, I'm really glad to be with you guys. Um, the counties are doing a really great job, and I really salute each one of them for every effort they're making. So this is great to be with you all.
1: We're focusing, of course, on the 2020 census, which is well underway, and we know this is important because it's used to allocate billions of dollars in federal funding for education, health, transportation, housing, community services, job training, etc. And you often point out that businesses and industries decide where to locate their new facilities and services, and of course that creates jobs. Based on census data and that promotes economic growth. And you know, I think there's a different component now as we are amid this pandemic. but you know, I want to talk to you about state and county governments. We're not officially responsible for the tally, but we do have a vital role to play. Michael and you were mentioning that the counties are really geared up and focusing on this effort. and we really want to make sure that we promote a fair and accurate 2020 census because if we don't, it's going to have a lasting effect on counties again, particularly when it comes to the distribution of federal funds. Everything has been overshadowed by COVID-19, Secretary McCord, but how are things going so far in Maryland and and with your effort, which again is well underway?
2: I think that the effort so far has gone really, really well in spite of the circumstances. Maryland is 13th in the Nation in response, the self-response rate for Maryland, 60.6%. The national response is 56.8%. There are 20 counties that are over 50%, and the counties are well on their way to beating their 2010 response rate. So um, I think things are looking good for us, despite the pandemic.
0: That sounds like we, we've, we've gotten off on the right start, and you, know, we, you have to keep using that asterisk you know, despite the public health crisis that lies in the background here and and maybe a lesser ability for people to be face-to-face, uh, I've seen a good deal of media and, 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 you know, presence, I think, sort of on the internet and over television and so forth uh, to motivate voters. That certainly has to be part of it in this setting, even if there's a little less of the, you know, Bringing things and drop them off at your, you know, at your doorstep and in your mailbox and so forth. But uh, the media effort certainly has been out there.
2: Well, I appreciate the fact that you say that you've seen it because we put a lot yeah. of effort into making sure that the media continues to happen, and we've actually been able to adjust the messaging—the messaging that will say that it's not just about the sixteen billion dollars that comes towards Maryland for federal funding. It's also about the fact that the census informs informs the number of vaccines informs the number of hospital beds it is vital for public health planning and it informs all sorts of emergency services so those are the things that have got people's attention right now and we're trying to tie what the census really does in all of its capacities to what it means for filling out that form today
1: i think that's a great point and i think it's a great pivot you know census data is used for so many things but highlighting the health component especially in the times that we're living in makes a ton of sense to me you know I also want to talk about the data right and so you mentioned you're looking at a lot of the data we, we know we have national and local statistics this is also the first time that people can fill out the census online right and do you feel like that is helping with response rates I mean I, I obviously filled out my census it was really easy everything is secure everything is private right so do 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 you feel like people are taking advantage of that at at this point?
2: Yes, the data bears that out also. So the response rates that are displayed in in Maryland's version of the response rate and also the federal version of the response rate will give you the internet response rate. So the internet response rate far exceeds the mail and the phone response rates at this point. So the internet response rate has been what has gotten us to this point of really good numbers so far. That needs to continue strong.
0: I, mean, I can vouch it was super easy. Um, our family filled ours out and sort of made a a mini around the dinner table event of it. But um, it couldn't have been any easier. Had the simple code, drop it in, answer a handful of questions, and we were done. Everybody was pretty excited. So that I mean, wow. that certainly that certainly seems like you know you, you get rid of one barrier to participation if you make this easy in, easy out, right?
2: Yes, I'm glad to hear that because lots of people are telling me the same kind of story that that this didn't take that long at all. And we did it as a family, which is a great way to do it. Um, But the other two ways, the form is coming your way. So the form is going to be there for you to fill out. And you also have a phone. So I've been kind of using a variation of a a local um, advertisement we kind of used to. And I say, if you have a phone, you have a census because there are people that have broadband access issues throughout the state. And if you can't get to the internet to fill this out because that's not the way you'd normally do it, then you can use your phone and you can call the census and get that response in.
0: I love it. The The Baltimore region surely is, I mean, you, you didn't put quite the emphasis into it that they do on the television ads, but if you have a phone, you have a census. I love it. I love it.
2: That's great. Yes. Yes. So so the, the the other thing is that that the, the telephone is so important for everybody who would get a text message about the census. It's another way that we're pivoting and trying to make sure that that if we have somebody who has opted into our messaging, we can send the text message and we send them in English and in Spanish. And we try to make sure that people understand that the device that you have in your hand even if it's not connected to the Internet. As long as you have the phone, you can have that response.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned high-speed Internet broadband. This data is going to also be essential to find out where those gaps exist. We know they exist across the state. This data, again, is used for everything. It's also going to be used to determine where we don't have high-speed Internet, where folks are lacking that connection. We know that's so important for education, economic development, everything. So that's another spot where this data is going to be essential, I'm sure.
2: Yes. Let me tell you that the the education piece is important. Um, Our school systems across the state are doing a wonderful job. They are the pickup point for lots of the school lunches that are happening. Lots of those lunches are paid for with federal dollars. So we are having local CCCs from the counties. Make sure they include census messaging, either a sticker on the bag or the box or a half sheet flyer with a census chip clip that goes out with that lunch to remind people that this is almost brought to you by the U.S. census. So um, the the local school system out here in Harford County has included messaging to the teachers. Uh, the superintendent's video that went out included a link to the census at the end of the video. So I have two sisters-in-law that are teachers and they're in the public school system and they fill out their census after getting the message from the superintendent. And then they email me and say, I filled out my census. So now they're allowed back at my house again. So it's all working out fine.
0: One of the things I like embedded in in you talking about those connections through the schools and you know, we know schools have shifted gears to trying to you know, fill nutrition gaps, even even if they're not gonna be having schools There are a number of families who rely on school lunches and breakfast to make sure their kids are getting adequate nutrition. Uh, I know schools in every jurisdiction are finding a way to try and reach out to those families, but that's a point of contact with the government or with the schools and an opportunity to reach those families to get them to participate. So make contact where you can. And if that's going to be a place where those families are going to show up, out of necessity, then you know, add one more thing to the queue and get them counted along the way. I think it, it makes perfect sense in these times when contacts are fewer and farther between.
2: And we need to pay special attention to the areas that are having the slower responses and are also continuing those programs. So we've made an emphasis on Regional CCC virtual meetings to talk about what's happening in each of the counties across Maryland by region and then share in best practices, sharing the challenges and sharing the solutions. So the solution that might work on the eastern shore may be totally appropriate to some issue in western Maryland and some urban situation that they've solved the problem is translatable to an urban county also. That, what you talked about the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Of the $16 billion that comes to Maryland, over a billion dollars is that program, the SNAP program is over a billion dollars to Maryland. So we need to make sure that everybody understands that the census is not just about counting the people, it's about making sure your community is taken care of. So it's not just about you, it's about your community.
1: And Secretary McCord, you mentioned, you know, the the regional meetings and the statewide meetings that are happening remotely with all the complete count committees across the state. And you mentioned best practices and making sure that things are staying on track. I know that another piece of data that's available and you can plug the website is you have weekly counts. Right. So if somebody looks at the website and realizes that their county is falling off a bit based on previous weeks, that's when, you know, it's really time to ramp up the outreach. Right. Right.
2: Yes. And another thing that we've done for counties is we have taken the lowest census track response areas and prepared a report for the five lowest areas in your county. And given all of the characteristics of that area, uh, the, the median income, the single family household, uh, all of the census variables that compl- comprise those census tracts. those reports go out every week to every county to show just that county, what are your lowest census responding tracks so you can focus attention there and make sure that they get the attention. So it's the 21st century tools for 21st century census. That's not information that's displayed on the website for everyone to see, but it's an information source that we send to the counties to make sure the counties understand that here's where you're lagging and this is where you need some attention. And we're pleased to help you if we can. So um, we're trying to get the information in your hands and then let us know what we can do to help you.
0: And as I recall, um, some of our richest conversations about that effort to, to target the areas where we're, we're, we're the hard to reach communities. And right now based on data, the ones that have the lowest return rate so far, um, this is this is a matter of trying to find the right message and the right messenger, to make that connection, I I recall uh, Council Member Tavares from the Prince George's County Council speaking really eloquently about these issues in Prince George's County, but also about how other jurisdictions can do the same through their complete count committees, but also through media and outreach, through sort of community partners. Um, you're seeing that sort of thing happen in those places too, I assume.
2: Yes, that is continuing. Um, We need ambassadors of of all kinds throughout the state. And most of the counties have done a phenomenal job of finding the right people to give the right message. I sent out a letter to faith leaders to use in their virtual sermons, to use in their outreach efforts that are happening over the internet to make sure that when they can finally get back together again, the message continues. But even now, the message doesn't go unheard. So the faith leaders are trusted voices in each community and making sure that we've made the outreach to the faith community. And we've made the outreach to all of the utilities. Um, All of the utilities in Maryland are now going to be including on their webpage and in their billings um, information about the census. We had a call with the Public Service Commission and all of the utilities about how can we get census messaging into the hands of people um, at, at this time. So every venue that we can find, every avenue to get the message out is critical
1: for us. That key term, which is, you know, a trusted partner in the community, whether it be the faith community, whether it be your local community center, it's so essential to make sure that people are hearing about the census and they're understanding what it means for their communities. And also, I want to emphasize again that this data is private. This is not data that is going to be used uh, for any sort of program that is going to target someone individually. And especially when you, you talk about some of these underserved populations, undercounted communities, it's so vital that they hear that from somebody that they trust. And Secretary McCord, I also know a lot of the outreach, you have multiple languages, you're really on the ground trying to get to everyone and get that information into the trusted community partners' hands so that they can then pass it on to the communities that they represent.
2: Now, it's been one of the highlights of the outreach activity that I was personally involved in before we were not able to go face-to-face. It was a meeting in Prince George's County um, with 25 different churches, the pastors and the promoters at the churches. And uh, the end of that meeting, people were getting the message that it's about my entire community. And the the pastor that led the closing for that meeting said, The census unites us. I could not have said that better myself. The census unites us. And that is a good message to to spread throughout the faith community. And then when I went to um, the Muslim community in Annapolis, um, the person that said, the best thing they said to me was to repeat it back to me that this is not about me. It's about my community. I said, exactly. It's about your community. We need to know what each community looks like, not just for funding, but for policy and for public health and for all the other reasons that we use data. That's demographic data. It's not about your name. It's not about who you pray to. It's about you as a person in this community. How many of these kind of people are in each community what do we really look like what do we care about what is our condition what is the policy needed to make sure that everyone is considered so that was uh, that's still true today even though we're not face to face
0: very well said and i think that you know that both frames challenge and the opportunity i guess so yes. it, it is a challenge to ask a community of people to do something that's not really on their own individual behalf, right? This isn't fill this out and get a hundred dollar gift card. It's not that kind of incentive. It's a secondary motivation. But uh, honestly, you know, the last few weeks for for many of us have have been uh, an immersion in the notion of you do things on behalf of your neighbors and friends and the people in the grocery aisle and so forth. And this is an extension of that mentality. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe some of us can find our better selves in multiple ways along in the spring.
2: I, I would hope so, Michael. We, we started the CCC meeting with the concept that um, we're dealing with a situation that the fact that I breathe could potentially bring an end to your ability to breathe. And that's the circumstance we find ourselves in. But it is not circumstances that define people it is ideas that define people and ideas the idea that we operate under is everybody counts that is the idea and that idea has never changed so whatever we have to do to adapt to make sure that we get everyone counted is the idea that motivates us and motivates every one of those complete count committees every pastor every fire person who's out there talking about census, every teacher that talks about census, every community leader that talks about census. It's because the idea that everybody counts can't be stamped out by a pandemic. It can't be stamped out by by a false information. It can't be stamped out. The idea that everyone counts is what motivates us.
1: Very well said. And I think that's a great point for us to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the U.S. census with Secretary McCord. We'll get into how Maryland is shaping up against other states, how our local cities are shaping up against maybe some rival cities. And we'll also talk about why in this pandemic it is so important that we get this data and we get it right. All that and more after the break.
2: Stuck inside and feeling helpless about the coronavirus? Wish you could do more to help? Well, here's a simple step that can make a difference for the next 10 years. Just fill out your census at 2020census.gov. The census determines how many vaccines we get, how many hospital beds, and how many school lunches. The more people complete their census, the more federal funding we get for all of those things. Please go to 2020census.gov right now and complete your census. That's 2020census.gov.
1: Welcome back to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale back here with Michael Sanderson and Secretary Rob McCord. We are talking the U.S. Census, and we've gotten in on the front half, I think, to a lot of the data. We've obviously talked about why the census is so important. But, Michael, I know you and I were talking the other day. We're often on Twitter. We're both football fans. We're sports fans. And you had some interesting insight into – how the census is being promoted, and what it means for maybe some rival cities when it comes to Baltimore specifically.
0: All right. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this, and I'm, I'm hoping Secretary McCord can break this down a little for us. I mean, he, he already opened up by sort of placing Maryland in the queue as you rank other states. And we want to, I mean, we want to turn out good, you know, good turnout and get a complete count here in Maryland. But as, as the numbers build, it's easy to look around i've seen multiple times uh, a tool that has been comparing baltimore against the cities who are in the same football division as our beloved baltimore ravens and
2: not oh, okay. to get all
0: not to get all complicated but um you know the idea of baltimore stacking up in census terms against places like Cincinnati and cleveland and and heaven forbid, Pittsburgh. So, uh, first of all, I guess I'm interested, you said the 60.6% is a turnout rate for statewide. I'm sure you've got similar numbers jurisdiction-wide. Remind us again, that's calculating percentage of forms that went out, invitations that went out that have resulted in a response so far?
2: Yeah, the self-response rate is what you're seeing, and that self-response rate is... Um, people who have sent back either a form, phoned it in by using the phone or online. So it is based on a percentage of the addresses that the U.S. Census has for each area, what percentage of those addresses have responded.
0: That's part of the solution. We want to get that number as high as possible. And then presumably there are some people we didn't initially catch reaching out to, and that's usually the sort of face-to-face canvassing effort that might look different this year, but that'll be ongoing later. So what what can you tell us? I mean, as you know, I mean, this swells up a little bit of civic pride for those of us in the Baltimore area. We certainly want to beat those other cities. Um, how do we look right now? Do you have the a latest round of data for places like Cleveland and so forth?
2: Oh, I don't carry it in my back pocket, but I'm looking at it right now. Um, the Ravens, <laughs> the Ravens are right now. Uh, they're ahead of the New York Giants and the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles, the Buffalo Bills, the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, and the Miami Dolphins at yes, this point. It,
0: yes, this is what so, we want. Yes, I this is so, the stuff I'm, I'm looking not, for.
2: <laughs> I
1: thought yeah, it so. is,
0: but but I
1: but I don't. I, I won't. I don't even want to say the name of the P City. Where, you know, I I am a huge Caps fan as well, so I don't like to say the name of that city. And I hope we are ahead of them. And if we're not, Secretary McCord, we're going to need you to get everybody into gear so that we can beat that black and gold city.
2: Well, all I can tell you on the positive side is the black and gold city is in a state that um, is behind us. The the, uh, the, the state is at fifty eight point eight percent and Maryland of course is at sixty point six percent so we are a few percentage points ahead of that that uh, the state that that city's in and um, you also have to consider that there's um, um, there's lots of other factors that go into each of these municipal responses when you're talking about big cities and um, we got to make sure that everybody in those cities respond and we have to make sure that um, the uh, the Any anything that happens in the big city has ripple effects throughout that city. So um, I would hope that Baltimore City will continue to increase its standing as we go forward. Um, We have I've been in contact with Baltimore City and um, we've been in contact with Baltimore City about um, their efforts now. And um, I'm telling you, I don't think we have to worry that the Ravens are going to be anywhere near the bottom of the pile when this is over with.
0: Well, that's what we're looking for. I, I mean. I think you just you, you throw it all against the wall, right? And I, and I think that's been the spirit of of the the effort that, that you and, and your your colleagues have been leading is you make every effort, you try and use all the different media channels, you bring in partners where you can. And if some people are gonna be motivated by a pure sense of community, great. If others need some black and purple logo to get them a little more motivated, that's fine, too. Do both of those things and everything else you can think of.
2: Well, it, you're right. It, there, there are some people where the civic duty um, concept still appeals to them. So the civic duty is there. We have a civic duty for voting that's coming up. Um, and we have a civic duty for census. And the the fact is, the civic duty for voting is purely voluntary, and as a technical matter, the civic the civic duty for census is required by law. Um, but that's not what we focus on. We focus on the concept that your community matters and that you are helping your community every time you fill out one of these census forms. So um, I would hope that um, whatever sort of rivalry we can we can conjure up, that it's all done, in good faith because I've seen those I've seen those between municipalities on the municipal side in Maryland. The mayor of such and such has bet two dozen crabs against the mayor of such and such who's bet um um uh three dozen tacos for getting (laughs) for getting the responses. So I love to see that. If it was up to me, if I had a budget for it, I'd give a bushel of crabs at everybody who could beat the uh the rate of that a lovely city that we're talking about. But I I, I don't have that kind of budget anymore. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so I, I, I like that, that very much. So that sort of sets us up for maybe a little talk. Can you lay out for us and for our listeners, so where are we going from here? I mean, technically, the the, the date that we're framing this around is April 1st, so we're a bit past that. People still can file things online, and you, you you've just said that people are going to get a form mailed to them. We know there's a follow-up process that's sort of street by street, block by block, building by building. I have to imagine that's going to look somewhat different this year. We might not know the details, but can you sort of walk us through the steps ahead for Maryland getting closer and closer to that complete count?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, And that would have to start with just a little bit of understanding of the U.S. Census Bureau's operational update. That enumeration, the the non-response follow-up that was supposed to happen between May 13th and July 31st will now go from August 11th to October 31st. So the non-response follow-up and your ability to self-respond are both extended till October 31st. So uh, if my kids are asking me what I'm being for Halloween, I would say I'm being a census enumerator for Halloween. But the fact is I can't be a census enumerator because I'm not a federal employee who took an oath to protect that data that lasts my lifetime and subjects me to a uh, a $500,000 fine and five years in jail. So I I can't take that oath, so I can't take anybody's information. I am just an ambassador trying to get people to respond to the census. I can't take the information. So you can respond till October 31st. That's going to be a longer window than it's ever been. And we need to take advantage of all of that time. And hopefully by the time we get to October, all the congregate activity, all the pop-up census hubs, all the ability to go to the library and fill it out, all that's going to come back into play in some form or fashion before the process is over. And I'm looking forward to using every one of those opportunities as soon as we're able to again.
1: You know, and and that brings us to another point. I mean, Everybody is ready for this to be over. Everybody's ready to get out of their house, to get back to maybe a new normal, to get the economy back working again, get everything rolling. And, you know, again, we're looking at data and we're going to need data for our economy to get rolling. We're going to need testing and tracing. We need to know where people are. And we didn't know where the potential for outbreaks lie. And if there are outbreaks that pop up, we need to know. And that's going to take the kind of data, I think, that the census is all about. So can you talk a little bit about how census data may help us get back to the new normal and help sort of understand where potential outbreaks could form and where they are as they pop up, you know, in real time?
2: Well, I can tell you an example that happened this past week with the um, the. The outbreak that happened on the Eastern Shore, um, there's lots of workers in Maryland who work in plants in Delaware um, on the Eastern Shore in the poultry industry. Um, MDP got a call about how many languages and how many nationalities are located on the Eastern Shore by county. Within 24 hours, um, the governor's office is supplied with all the census data we have available to us on every county on the Eastern Shore what are the nationalities represented? In and what are the languages spoken? So using census data to solve the mm. problems that we're in right now is critical. So that's a very, very real-time application of use of census data. So the data is as good as the responses that the Census co- the census Bureau gets. And so we need to make sure we're doing good policy based on good data. So um, anytime that the The state data center is called upon to supply data for the Department of Commerce, for the Department of Health. We have been there to supply the data and to make sense out of it.
1: Yeah. And of course, other emergency responses when you have natural disasters, we have hurricanes, we have tornadoes. That data is also essential. I know we're all focused on COVID-19, but we also do have those natural disasters. And it's Mm -hmm. so important for everybody to understand who lives where, and how we're going to get the supplies that they need to then make sure they have the right amount of supplies. You mentioned vaccines earlier. That obviously goes along with the COVID-19 pandemic. We're going to need to know how many vaccines for, for which county and which region. Again, all of this sort of ties together. I think you can't go throughout your day without doing something where the census plays a critical role in making sure that critical supplies get to you and making sure that your roads are are adequate for the amount of cars and that the businesses understand exactly where they want to go. All of this ties into census data. and, And it's that's why for me, and I know for all of us here, it is super fascinating and it's such a big undertaking, but it really does bring it all together, Secretary McCord.
2: Thank you. The the example that you talked about, like for hurricanes, um, the example for the hurricane is it's the hurricanes due in in about uh, a week or four days away. And so you're going to leave your house and you're going to go to the grocery store. So you're going to either get in a car, you're going to get in some kind of transit to go to the grocery store, the highway funding, the transit funding that gets you back and forth to the grocery store. how many, how many Loaves of bread, how many cartons of eggs are there are based on census data that the grocery stores people are using to figure out what their market's like. And then back in the Emergency Operations Center at the state of Maryland, the emergency planner from planning is sitting there outlining the potential strike zone for that hurricane and then figuring out how many people are 65 and older. And they're gonna need extra help to get out for evacuations. If we have flooding in the inundation map zones, How many people there have ability to go out from a different direction and will they need help? And if there's debris management and cleanup that has to happen, which neighborhoods are going to need the dumpsters first and get that stuff opened up again? So all of that is done prescriptively before the hurricane even hits. The census data comes into play to figure out what the community looks like who's about to be hit and how can we prepare them? How can we bring them back as a community as quickly as possible? That's all real-time applications of census data.
0: Well, listeners, if you joined us today, not entirely sure why the Secretary of Planning would be our guest to talk about the census, it's probably crystal clear for you now that the agency that's all about data, that's all about maps and overlays and where and what, and let's agree to the facts, Um, The secretary himself speaks this language, in my judgment, awfully clearly. And I think it's really helpful for you to join us once again, talk about the census, but how it fits in as building the base for policy and decision making across the state and across the country. I think you've connected a lot of dots for us.
2: Well, listen, I'm I'm glad to come on anytime you need to. And if you're uh, I would be remiss if I didn't put another shout out to the counties and all the efforts of the counties and what's happening in each county to try to get out the census response. There's little stickers on my newspaper that talk about census. There's billboards I drive by that talk about the census in addition to all the advertisements I've seen anywhere else. So there's innovative things happening in every county and without... Exclusively the counties, the municipalities have come up with a lot of great ways to reach their populations also. So everybody is being creative and innovative about how to get the message out there that this is important. Until the 31st of October, you'll be hearing it from me about why this is important and how we need you to participate. So thanks for the opportunity, gentlemen.
1: Of course. And the counties, especially when you look at their social media accounts every day, I see census information being rolled out. I think it's a friendly competition amongst the counties and the municipalities. We're all in this together to make sure that we get the fair and accurate count. But Secretary McCord, before I let you go, please remind everyone where they can find all this data that we've been talking about. What is the website? And then I also would like you to remind everyone again that this information is absolutely secure and confidential.
2: Yes, this is, you can find it all at census.maryland.gov. That's census.maryland.gov. And there's links to the federal information there also. And anytime you go to census.maryland.gov or the planning website, there's a big button that says take the census so you can take the census right from where you find that landing. The only thing that excites me more about um, people that are doing things out there is the partnerships that are happening between municipalities and counties and between um, counties and the school system. The partnerships are critical. The secure and confidential nature of the information. All those census workers take a an oath, never to reveal personal information. That's a lifetime oath. That is, two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine and five years in jail. So that census information is protected by federal law. The federal law says it cannot be personal information cannot be revealed. So the federal law has been in place since President Roosevelt. Every challenge has been upheld by the court. The information is confidential. No one can get that information. States get data and demographic data. The federal government can't share between the U.S. Census and any other agency of the federal government, not the FBI, not the CIA, mm-hmm. not, not the prison system. They can't share the data. They can only report demographic information. So that confidentiality is critical to making sure people understand that if I give my name and I tell how many people are living here, does my landlord find out? The answer is no. Does the state government find out? The answer is no. Does the city government find out? The answer is no. General statistics and demographic information is the only thing that's ever reported out of the U.S. Census Bureau. So I remind people all the time that this information is safe and secure. That's the 411, it's the information and it's safe and it's secure.
1: Thank you so much. That's exactly the way I wanted to end this. I think it's such an important message to make people understand and to incentivize them to report accurate data when they fill out their census. But again, Secretary McCord, thanks so much for being here. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. That way all these episodes will be sent directly to you. You can follow along on social media, Twitter and Facebook, and of course, the Conduit Street blog, But for Michael and Secretary Rob McCord, this is Kevin Canale signing off, and we will talk to you soon.